When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spurs in full cry here. Ciao e benvenuto. Oggi noi parliamo la tattica da Antonio Conte con mi bene amico Bardi. Ciao Bardi. Ciao, ciao Nathan. Uh, e il tuo uh, regolare ospite, Windy. Ciao Windy. Ciao Nathan. Minchia, parli italiano molto bene. <laughs> Grazie. <laughs> I feel very excluded right now. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's switch back to English. Let's be inclusive then, Windy. Go for it. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Buonasera, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who didn't want Nuno out, actually. It's uh, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> I did, just like not in such a rush. I was like, Nuno, when it's convenient. But I think that's kind of actually has been what's happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, he was... He was um, sackable after the run of 3-0, 3-0, 3-1, right? Apparently that was that is what happened. Apparently the decision was made then. There was reporting today on the BBC. Ah. That like, yeah. So although it seems like, maybe to an extent it's the case, it seems like we've gone, oh no, the United result, let's sack him and then work out what to do. It looks like we decided we would sack him after the Arsenal game and then we've just been like, you know, working things out. Maybe things got rushed along a bit by, by the United game and, and everything else in between. Mm. Oh my goodness. Listeners, we have so much to talk about. I don't even know where to start. Um, and actually we've got we've got some expertise joining us to help out as well. Um, we don't quite even know how that will look at this stage. Let's just get stuck into it. And, uh, and Bardi's going to really struggle to hide his excitement. I mean, it's lovely. Bardi is, is, is bubbling. Bless him. He's so happy. Um, <laughs> very quickly, I'm just going to announce the winners of uh, Greg Jenner's book. So thank you very much for, for your, your comments and your shares of the pod uh, and your reviews. Um, the winners. Um, in fact, I'm going to read out Tim Frank's uh, review because it was it was super nice. Um, so this is this is Tim's review. At one point in my career, I studied and taught rhetoric. When analysing the effectiveness of a given speaker, we would look for the presence and quality of eth- ethos, credibility, pathos, the emotional appeal, and logos, the logical appeal. 
Hell yes. The Extra Inch is the best Tottenham pod because Wendy, Bardi and Nathan are each perfectly suited to appeal to a different part of a supporter's heart and mind. Nathan is the Logos. He is a gifted and tireless student of the game who puts in the hours analysing and has the stats and facts ready to appeal to the logical side of your brain. Bardi is the Ethos, a long-time season ticket holder. He has the credibility to represent the fan in the stands and has a good sense of the pulse of the club. And last but not least, Windy is the Pathos, the emotional core that drives the pod, the man who knows best how to talk to our hearts. These are my podcasters, a credit to all of us as Tottenham supporters. And Tim's just the nicest man. Do you know, Tim's, Tim is actually the nicest man. He does um, a birthday <laughs> message. Every time there's someone's birthday in Discord, he Aww. sends like a personalised lengthy message to them and it is so sweet it's it's so endearing and uh, he he thoroughly deserves his uh, copy of the book um i've got no idea if greg is happy to send a book um across the pond but you know what we'll cover it greg it's fine oh, sweet <laughs> um uh, next winner is oh bear with me a sec because i've only got the twitter Next winner is Matthew Woolbridge. Thank you, Matthew, for sharing the podcast. Really appreciate it. You were quick off the mark, too. You didn't mess about. Um, and the final winner is Anscan. Anscan, you might need to email us to let us know your 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 ID. Um, Anscan's review on iTunes was, how do Windy, Bard- Windy and Bardi stay so upbeat in the face of severe Spurs mediocrity? Luckily, Nate ma- maintains his dour outlook at all times, <laughs> but then comes up yes. with tactical analysis to suggest it's all fixable. Yeah. One of the best coys pods around, honestly, not kidding. Ask a historian. Very nice. Um, so yeah, um, Anscan, if you could email us, podcast at theextrange.co.uk, send us your address and your name. <laughs> Um, Matthew Woolbridge if you could email us also with your address that would be fantastic and Tim likewise drop us a DM slide into my DMs and um, give me your address and, and we'll get books to you all thank you ever so much everyone um, I also want to give a shout out to Beers from the Lane so this is a, a company that's making Spurs beer mats I'm gonna I'm gonna hold up an Aussie's dream beer mat to Nathan and Bardi now oh so nice that's a nice one it's cool isn't it it's really cool um, and then I'm going to show you. There's so many good ones. Uh, okay, this one's good. This one's good. The the nice one, sunny beer mat. Lovely. Also very That's cool. A good one. Uh, this one's a little out of date. The uh, the super Nuno. Oh, no, no. <laughs> bin, bin. I'm going to I'm going to bin that one off. I think. Uh, oh, what no. else? We've got there's so many good ones. King's Lager. Nice. Yeah, this... I'm just thinking about all those um, those Nuno beer mats. I was on the Spursy pod last week, and <laughs> we were a bit Spursy pod, and we were talking about merch that Tottenham have printed after reaching a final or something, and uh, and that Nuno oh, wow. is, that Nuno uh, beer mat is going to go in the in in the in the garage lockup somewhere with the Champions League winners 2019 <laughs> t-shirts. <laughs> Lovely stuff. So these are really good. They're really good quality. I I definitely recommend them. Um, so it's beers from the lane, all one word on Instagram or on Twitter, and um, and yeah, give them give them your money because they're they're good fun for your your bar area at home. Um, where to start, Bardi? I mean, you are absolutely buzzing at the prospect of Antonio Conte becoming our manager. Uh, but do you think first we ought to address Nuno leaving? I, I think so. There's there's a few things which um, there was a few alarm bells when the team sheet came out, and <laughs> yeah. I, I guess that's you, so, you know sometimes I I'm a big fan of MasterChef. I love MasterChef. Of course but you do. You know, <laughs> you know <laughs> when you look at it, and you can see some of the contestants. They've got as far as they've really wanted to go, and they get to a point, and they're like, right, I'm gonna make a gateau made out of Skittles. 
because I'm going to try something different. And it always backfires and they get sent home and they're happy about that because the stress is too much to them. And I honestly think Nuno looked at this game, looked at the El Sacchio and just like, I just can't put up with this anymore. They don't like me. They don't want me here. They never wanted me. I'm just going to drop two of my best players. Um, I'm going to pull off um, our most, our kind of most attacking player and then just, just screw it all up. So they got no choice but to fire me and pay out my contract because I've had enough. And I think there was a little bit of that in, in that lineup because it made no sense. It doesn't, it, even in terms of resting and rotation, you can't start GLC, Lacelso against Burnley and then start him against Man United and keep Endombele out of the team it just doesn't make any sense, Wendy. So I, I think he was asking to be fired. Mm. So I um I send around a weekly email to the ex subs. So we'll do it on a Saturday morning normally. Sometimes a Sunday, but normally a Saturday morning. And in my uh, weekly email, as Tim points out, Tim, who's just won the book, points out, Wendy's email to Exub said he'd be surprised if Nuno is on the verge unless something really catastrophic happens. Did today qualify as really catastrophic? And and I think, I think yes, it did. So this was um, dubbed El Sakiko, this match. And I think most Spurs fans were thinking, yeah, because Solskjaer's about to get fired. Um, no, it was it was meant to be a both ways thing. Yeah, mm. it's meant to be a whoever loses right, gets sacked. Right, but I, I don't think many Spurs fans felt like this no. was happening. I, I mean, I certainly thought I would have sacked, sacked Nuno, as I said on the podcast. I'd have sacked him before now. Um, but I thought that, given he hadn't been sacked at this point, a, a defeat to Man U wouldn't lead to the sacking. Uh, and I think I really think this is another example of, of fan power. I think if you, if you look back over the last 18 months, Spurs' fans have shown that when they're united, they are a pretty powerful force. We had the furlough incident. We had the rejection of the Super League. We had the absolute rejection of the appointment of Gattuso. And now we've got the booing of a substitution, the singing of you don't know what you're doing, and pockets of we want Nuno out. And I think it was enough for Paratici and for Daniel Levy to sit up and take notice. Last season... Um, we spoke several times about would Jose Mourinho have been sacked by now if there were mm. fans in the stadium, and I think we have the answer yes, to that. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yeah, I mean, it would have got very toxic very quickly, I think. It was highly... It, I found it very uncomfortable. and I, I know I come on here every week and I, I say bad things about our players. And <laughs> I say... I, I've never been too bad about any of our managers, really, but it, it's a whole different level. When, when he took Lucas off, I... I cringed. It was awful to see. And then when I when I watched it back on, on Match of the Day and they zoomed into his face and you could see all the coys, all the all the supporters behind him losing their mind. I I felt for him. And I was just like, fine, he's a terrible, terrible manager, but he's still a human being. And that is an awful thing to go to. And I was just thinking, had that been like a friend of mine or a family member, how would I feel about it? And yeah. God, it, it made me feel so bad as a human that we would do that to somebody. But then it's football, isn't it? Rules don't count, but it was it was bad. I didn't like it. Is It is slightly ironic that one of the things we've criticised Nuno Espirito Santo for throughout his short tenure is the lack of substitutions and the lack of early substitutions. <laughs> and then he makes an early substitution, finally, and he gets roundly booed by the fans who disapprove. And, and to be honest, probably wasn't the worst sub. I mean, I would have preferred Ndombele to come on for skip. That would have been the sub I'd have made. But a like for like, Bergwijn for Lucas isn't, it's, it's fairly innocuous. 
Uh, I mean, the the problem was I, I don't know if this was picked up in on TV, but in the stadium there was a general kind of hatred towards Lacelso. There was um, a lot of feeling that he wasn't doing anything, and I, I know there's probably stats out there, and you've you've already mentioned a few of them. Winded that kind of back up that he had a good game, but in the flesh he he did seem to be doing nothing and kind of destroying attacks. And there was that there was a general vibe around what is he doing on this pitch and why are you taking off Lucas. And not the Celso and putting on Ndombele, I think I think that was a big problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely the. I mean, leaving Ndombele on the bench in the first place, as you've already pointed out, was a huge error, huge error of judgment. Um, I also think Nuno showed some signs of of losing it a bit in the build up to this match, and by that I mean I, I found it really interesting that he gave that interview with uh, the press the day before the match which contradicted something he'd said literally two days before. So two days before he told the press, you will never see me in a press conference addressing issues with players. And then on the Friday night, he's addressing issues with players. He's saying, you know, if players want to get back in the team, they've got to try hard from the start of the week. And it seems very pointed. Did the Winks interview stuff come out between those no, two days? beforehand. Okay. Yeah, he's lost his mind. Yeah, no, you're right. He He's through it. So when 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 the team was announced, I was like, oh, okay, maybe there's like an... Maybe we were expecting Greenwood and Davies' better skills, or maybe he wants <laughs> like Davies' infield passing in the build-up. Maybe there's a specific plan for Lacelso. Maybe he wants to bring Ndombele on in the second half or something like that and whatever. And I gave him all of these benefits of the doubt. And then after the game, he just says... Uh, no, Davies is more consistent because Regulon made an error in the previous game. It's yeah. like, okay, but Regulon is also like one of the two attacking like players who were able to do anything for us in the last several games. Mm-hmm. And then Domblay was the other one. And you've been like, no, <laughs> let's make sure those aren't on the pitch. It's just, it's total like suicide by substitutions, mm-hmm. by, by, mm-hmm. by, by selections. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it's baffling, but I feel bad for him, you know? I feel bad that he was given the job yeah. as much as I feel bad that he's had it taken away from him. Absolutely. I completely agree. So I was on um, BBC Football Daily with Ben Haynes on Sunday night and I said very much the same. I feel desperately sorry for Nuno because I don't think he's a bad person. I think he's a, a nice guy who's who's very genuine. And although I, didn't, I don't think he's very cheerful, I think he's quite dour as it turns out. I think he has um, good intentions and he was put in an absolutely impossible position at Spurs. And who can blame him for taking the job? You know, if you're offered a, a job as big as the Spurs job, you're going to take it. Of course you're going to take it, even if you're fifth choice, sixth choice, seventh choice. It's it's a step up for him. But um, it, it wasn't the right fit at all. And I don't blame him for that. I blame Paratici and I blame Daniel Levy for that. Um, Lars Arpel says, while most of us are probably very positive about Nuno leaving and a new manager coming in, is it worth noting that this is the third manager in a row our players have been instrumental in getting rid of? My question is, even if a strong manager like Conte comes in, is it not most likely that this will just happen again, sooner rather than later, when the players feel the training or the tactics or the food in the cafeteria is wrong? Bardi, any thoughts on that? For sure, there's, there's players are responsible for this because there are some individual errors, of course, as what Jose liked to protect himself with. But there are errors happening on the pitch which the the manager doesn't have control of. But like we talked about many times, I, I don't think he had a, a a method to get out of this. He didn't have a formation that suited the players he had, and there was clearly no there was no structure to how we were playing. It was very lapsadaisical. It was very this is what I'm going to do. Try and embrace chaos. Hope the other team allows us to do that. But on the whole, 
there's quite there's some decent teams in the Premier League, and they won't allow that that to happen. They won't come. They won't be as open and as willing um, dance partners as Newcastle were. And ultimately, that's what cost him. He was unable to to build a team. Um, would I don't know if we want to talk about Conte now, but I think Conte has a very set way of playing, and he will train those players and coach those players and repetition, repetition. This is how we play football. Mm-hmm. And he will train them in that way, which will which will make their, their which will mask their failings is probably the best way to put it. And that's why I that's why I'm quite kind of confident about this. And I do agree some of the players aren't as good as we think they are, Scheuberg, for example. But um I have faith that Conte can can squeeze something out of them. There's a massive change there, isn't there? You know, Nuno who leaves attack up to improvise, improvisation and players essentially doing what they feel is right in the moment. Um, whereas Conte, you know, his, his attacks are quite mechanical, very effective, but they're quite mechanical and you sort of know what's going to happen. You're just unable to stop it. Mm. Extremely mechanical. And I think like, uh, will the players get tired of his training? Like basically every Conte team eventually gets tired of his training because it's it's the same drills over and over again. It's the same patterns, cones and patterns, cones and patterns. And that's great. 18 months, that's brilliant. And he typically wins the league during that time. <laughs> and then the players start to fatigue of the same, like not physically fatigue, um, but like emotionally, because it's it becomes it's like factory work, you know. It's 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 this is boring, and and players are children; <laughs> they don't want to be bored. And and that's you know, if you're going to get into sport and football, you want to be doing something fun, because the majority of their time isn't at the weekend in the game; it's in the training, and they don't want to just be doing the same kind of boring stuff over again. So yeah, I mean, yes, that same thing will happen again, but that is sort of natural course of football teams generally and also that's kind of just a natural thing with Conte regardless it isn't about how it'll end or it's a little bit about how it'll end it's about what happens in in the next year to two years yeah I think that's okay I'm I mean I'm okay with this because we've gone from three different managers and after six months less than six months after 10 games it's become rubbish so I don't mind 18 months of repetitions and and then if it's worked giving the money to refresh the squad which Inter didn't do which is why he left so if you give him the players and they buy into it and then you you back your manager to to be able to refresh the team where he needs where he sees fit then let's go for it why not I'm really, I'm really positive about this. I've had my beef with Conte before, but um, and I think if people might even go out, and I know Alex from Bristol will probably scroll through, do a Twitter search, and look for my beefs with him. Like, but you kind of, you <laughs> have to, you have to admit, he's a fantastic manager who really, really focuses on his players, and I, I see good things. I see good things for the first time, perhaps from La Celso. I, I see real positives for, for our wing-backs and our defenders. And I think Romero is going to love it. I think Romero stepping up into midfield in that kind of Bonucci way, in how kind of Skriniar and Bastoni played, I, th- I think it's exciting, man. It's really, really exciting. And we should all be, we should all be happy and looking forward to this because it's, it's going to be fireworks and it will be brilliant. <laughs> and if it's not, it's going to be rubbish, but it will still be brilliant because it will be fireworks. Yeah. I mean, I think given how bad things were going with Nuno, um, it's absolutely right to feel excited because clearly Conte is a much more able manager. Uh, you only have to look at his achievements to realise that that's the case. And I think Nathan's right to have some reservations. But I mean, let's just go back to Nuno briefly. So Sky Sports flashed up mm. this um, this data on on Nuno, and it's not just. I mean, it's it's both ends of the pitch we're struggling. So with our nine goals, that puts us 18th in the Premier League. We failed to score in four matches. That puts us 18th. Only 103 shots. That's 19th in the, in the Premier League. I guess Norwich would be bottom. 
71 chances created. I mean, that's just absolutely absurd when you've got players like Son and Kane and Dombele on the pitch. Um, defensively, we consider 16th, which sorry, 16, which puts us 16th in terms of expected goals per game. With 14th distance covered mm. per game is an interesting one because so so distance covered per game is something that comes up time and time again under, under Nuno, and it's it's brought up as if the players aren't trying for him. But I think actually it's it's more about the style of play that he's electing to, yeah, to run out. Definitely. Uh, that puts mm-hmm. us 20th on 99 kilometers. And then we've been defeated by three plus goals in three matches, which puts us 20th. I mean, these are absolutely shocking statistics for a club of our level. And um, it's no wonder, really, that that Levy and Paratici have pulled the trigger and said that's enough's enough. You know, we've got to make a change now. We can't carry on like this. We can't let this slide any longer. And I do feel, I do feel that Conte, I think he can get us fourth this season. I really do. I mean, I think I've I've seen Conte interviewed talking about Harry Kane before, and um, how it, like he basically said, "I'd love to get hold of Harry Kane." <laughs> That's basically the, the the long and short of it. And he was he was saying things like he'd like to get him in the box. He wants to get him in the box as much as possible. And, that's music to my ears. I want Kane to be having shots in the box. And if Kane's having shots in the box, we're scoring goals because he's an absolutely elite finisher still, um, despite any decline. Um, and I feel excited that Conte can not only organise a defence, which to some degree Nuno has to some degree, but I think he can get more out of our attacking players as well. Uh, and although Conte wouldn't necessarily be my first choice, I feel optimistic that he can drastically improve the standing of uh, of this team currently. I mean, if you look at the numbers that um, Conte's number nines traditionally put up, um, Tevez, over 20 goals at Juve, um, Costa at Chelsea, Lukaku at Inter. I mean, he, he even got Graziano Pella scoring goals for Italy. It, he knows how to make a number nine work and it's exciting what he can do. And he, he's been quite critical recently of how Tuchel's using Lukaku. And I, th- I think with with Kane, this could be a great thing. And perhaps that was the, the sticking point this summer that he thought Kane was leaving. Now he's got Kane there, probably for the rest of the, rest of the season. We can He gets to work with him and hopefully he can do some amazing things. What's going to happen is Conte's going to come in. We're going to play good, effective football. We're going to pass the ball to Harry Kane. He's going to score a bunch of goals. And then everyone, the whole narrative will be, wow, now a big name manager is coming and Kane is motivated to play for Spurs. (laughs) Yep, it'll all be about personality and everyone will ignore the tactical changes. Absolutely agree. Yeah, we won't know. We'll we'll stay true to it. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this is there's been such an obvious pattern over the last three, four years of Kane receiving the ball less in final third. And of course, he's going to struggle to score as many goals uh, if that's the case. Um, and Nathan, you've you've slightly touched on this already, but stateside Hotspur said if Conte signs a one and a half year deal and without knowing how this season mm. or next will, will end, would you sack him for Poch if PSG don't extend his contract? Do you still view <laughs> Conte as a placeholder like we did with Nuno? Or would you like to see Conte get longer than normal? Um, Conte's a different kind of placeholder, right? So again, like uh, he, he, the longest he's been at a club was three years with Juve. Um, it's it's two years everywhere he goes basically since then, and there's been different scenarios, different circumstances for that. But like that's the way he works. He comes in, patterns, 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 wins something, or, or you know, a high guarantee. I mean, for us, it's a difficult situation, but I still don't think it's like beyond possible. And then either or often both, <laughs> the squads are tired of his training sessions and his like 
extreme intensity day in day out right it's it's all exciting and fires you up the first year and then he's like still screaming in your face about yeah. slightly misplaced past in training year two you're doing the same drills he's like okay mate yeah. and at the same time his demands to daniel levy of people will be to spend like 200 million pounds in the summer <laughs> right so it's just it's it's guaranteed to to burn and crash but again it's about what happens before that and it, it is a bit of a funny thing that it's like oh we tried to sign him in the summer when the window was open and we couldn't agree on terms mm. and now the window is literally closed mm. <laughs> and he can't like quit because we haven't bought certain players before the end of the window <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna sign him now you know i, I did i did um, want to ask you about that um and Bardi sort of touched on it and said that perhaps it's because he's got kane until january but that's only, well, that's, yeah, only a couple that of, that's only a couple of months away though isn't it right so what do you think's changed nathan why do you think um he's joining now and he wouldn't have, wouldn't join in the summer yeah i mean i think i think Bardi's guess about kane is, is a good one if we said to whoever we were talking to we can't guarantee that kane will be here at the end of the summer it depends what bids come in we have a price and if city meet it then then he'll go and then that bid hasn't come in and he stayed so yeah you're working with kane till at least january but you would imagine until the end of the year hmm. um Maybe he's happy with the moves we made over the summer. I think that he should be. Mm-hmm. Maybe we have just gone, oh shit, you know, um, we need to get a good manager in immediately. You know how we only offered him this much in terms of wages and this much in terms of budget last summer. Let's just go all out. We've got to get our man and, 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 and broken open the purse strings and done things that way. Um, or, or, and I think just as important to that is that Conte is like an extreme, again, super fiery workaholic. And after a couple of months off, he's like itching. <laughs> he just will just take any job because he can't. Like, imagine, imagine living, imagine being married to Antonio Conte. This, he gets uh, up at Elizabeth like 4 a.m., <laughs> right? Yeah. And he's just in full suit. He's storming around the house. It's, it's terrible. He, 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 he's a. Uh, He's a character, and and he needs something to do. He needs something to do all day, every day. He um he when he was managing Italy, he said he didn't like being parked in the garage for for all <laughs> right, those yeah. months. And yeah. his, his wife Elisabetta, <laughs> she bought a bench or something for him at home to sit on to keep <laughs> keep him busy. He says he only sleeps five hours a day. Yeah. Um. There's 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 so many nice. Well, nice. I don't know. It's calling someone that intense is nice, but there are so many anecdotes around there. Pirlo um, got to choose where he sat in the in the changing room, and he made the mistake of sitting by the door. And quite often at half time, Conte would just come in and just smash open the door and just start <laughs> throwing things, and everyone was laughing because Pirlo had no idea. Um, Pirlo speaks really fondly of him. Everybody, mm. every ex player speaks fondly of him, but then they also did of Jose as well. Um, and I, I think. Conte's Conte, you'll see Conte's legacy in the next 10, 15 years as as players that he's managed go into football management and start quoting him as their inspiration. He's sure. he's a, he's an incredible person as he was he wasn't a very good footballer, but his dedication and his focus and his ability to to play out any tactical plan made meant that he got caps for Italy and he was he was a water carrier in the kind of real sense of a footballer. But he was able to survive at the top level because he he understands the game so well. And yeah, as I, like I said already, this is going to be an incredible 
appointment and we will see someone on the touchline barking orders at his players and really trying to get them to play in his way and we've been we've been desperately since Pochettino's first three or four seasons we've been desperately missing a an idea and an identity to our play it's been too it's been too random it's been too let's get it to Kane and boot it over the top to Sun so I, I'm really excited about having a plan for the first time in in years definitely sounds like we've appointed a psychopath which um which is fun <laughs> we have I he's not have, racist he's not racist that we know of so far not which that we is know great. of so far yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does feel does like um, he does feel like the kind of guy that's on the verge of slipping up and saying something he shouldn't say doesn't he i mean he said that <laughs> that, that famous if it's going to happen it's going to happen while he's as well of course well why would it not we are the club that, that likes the drama <laughs> and there's that famous um interview he did with thierry Henry where he basically says um, if players aren't on board with his plan, he'd he'd, he'd prefer to kill them. And <laughs> yeah. I, I imagine, you know, Buddy, you make the point that players speak very fondly of him, and I've I've heard players mm. speak very fondly of him as well. He's, he seems one of those guys that's um, that's beloved by the players that love him. But I imagine there are a lot of players that that didn't like him so much, but are scared to say so because he's terrifying. Well, there's there's a there's loads of players at Juventus that lasted two days or lasted two training sessions when he first went. I don't know if you remember the Dutch winger, Elia, I can't remember his first name. Like it was a big promising thing that Juve spent a lot of money on. And he, he had a couple of sessions with, um, with Conte and he booted him out. Um, there, there's been stories of Simone Pepe was, uh, he turned him into a kind of a, a wing back and he said, Simone Pepe said, Conte has a bat with nails in it. And that's what keeps me running because I, I'm scared of him. But yeah, he, he won't, he won't accept slackers. If you're, if you're not committed to this, then, then you're done. I think we're going to find out again, like like with the whole Harry Kane narrative, that some of the players who are assumed to be slackers are actually going to love working under Conte again for the first year, and then not so much, um, and uh, and really come to life some of these players who are considered to be lazy dossers or whatever. So let's let's talk about that. Stain Spurs says, do we see any surprising returns if Conte is appointed? Thinking about Winks, Sanchez, etc. Um, and I, I, I will openly admit at this point that I only know Conte's Chelsea. That's all I know of him. I, I barely watched any of his other teams. So, I, I, I mean, if you know Conte's Chelsea, you kind of know Conte's career. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Fair I mean, enough. I do think I do think it's worth going back and reading some of the blogs that were written and the videos that were done at the time during Euro 2016, where he took a bunch of chabatas, as I would like to call them. <laughs> they were just not chabatas in the bread, chabatas in the slippers. They were just a bunch of slippers <laughs> across the midfield, and he 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 smashed Bel- peak Belgium, and he smashed a pretty good Spain, and he got knocked out on penalties to to Germany because of Zaza and Pele it did the worst penalties you've ever seen. Um, he had them playing in a in a really impressive way, and that's the worst Italian football team has been since the 1950s. And if he can do, if he can get them playing in a coherent way, then I think I think he can get something out of Winks, even and definitely something out of Sanchez. So I, I do think I do think all the players will, will start fresh, and they've all got an opportunity here to impress. And if they buy into him and listen to him and follow his lead, then I think they can they can reinvigorate their careers for sure. Nathan, any players uh, that spring to mind? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know about Davinson and Winks necessarily. It depends who you consider to be out on the fringes. I think that he won't like Winks' defensive awareness or lack of physicality. I think Davinson maybe, but uh, he'll like Davinson's recovery pace, but then he might also see that in Tanganga 
and go with that. For me, I think it is. If we, it's not necessarily a back three, by the way. People think that, that is absolutely locked. Yeah, on. we're thinking he three five a, two mainly, aren't we? Yeah, he does have a thing where he likes to try out a four four two or or a four two four, whatever, um, for a brief period of time. Like he did at Chelsea, he has done elsewhere, um, and then like reverts to the to the three at the back, which he did after again with Arsenal. Um, but if we are thinking about three, I think Romero, Dyer, and then depends like how he feels about the left side, whether he wants to go Roden to have someone who's going to be comfortable on the left or whether he wants Romero on the left, Dyer Central, and Tanganga as the right-sided centre-back as his more sort of like uh, Asper Equator-esque centre-back slash full-back type character. Hmm. So I don't see a Davinson in there, really. I don't think... He's... Oh. He's not going to want Davinson as one of the wide centre-backs because there's too much sort of ball-carrying responsibility yeah. there. I guess he could be the central centre-back. People talk about Romero because Romero played central centre-back for Atalanta. He can't play central centre-back for any other team who's ever existed, right? In the Atalanta setup, the central centre-back is the one who pushes up from the middle and attacks the midfield. No one else defends in that way, and so he won't play. I really can't see him playing central centre-back because it's just like, if he's your last man and he will always dive in, you're asking for chaos. I think Romero is a wide centre-back, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I can go along with that. I, I, he did use Bonucci centrally. I'm pretty sure. Did he use Bonucci centrally or was it Barzali? I, I, I think I think it could work with both, but I, I, I still reckon Romero can do a job on, in Conte's back three centrally. I mean, he wants he wants a ball player in the central centre back. To be honest, having said yeah, that, Davinson he had couldn't David play. there for Chelsea, right? Yeah, Louise. Mm. He wants his his yeah. And and the best ball player we have is uh, is Romero. <laughs> it is, but I still think defensively, like that's that's chaos. I, th- I think Dyer cent- central central centre back yeah, so. um, makes more yeah. sense initially. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I, I worry a little bit about our current fullbacks, who I really like as wingbacks. I'm not sure that Regulon... Or Emerson Royale are suited to Conte wing-back roles. I'm thinking back to Chelsea specifically, and he used Victor Moses as the ball carrier at um, right wing-back. Emerson Royale is not really a ball carrier. He's not someone who can beat a man. No, that's not a great matchup. No. Um, 
And then on the left, he had Marcos Alonso, who is not incredible at ball carrying. He's not bad, but he, what he's really good at is arriving in the box late and getting on the end of things. And Regulon's not shown to me a propensity for doing that. I mean, maybe that could be coached into him because I think it's easier to coach, to coach arriving in the box than it is ball carrying and, and beating a man. So I did half wonder if Emerson Royale might end up as this sort of outside centre-back on the right. Mm. I think that's an interesting shout. I, I was just thinking the same about Emerson. He's I, a good I defender. Think Reg, yeah, I think I think he could play that role. I also think Reggion is is good enough and young enough to to adapt his game and to fit into the system. I, I have no worries about that. There, right right wing back is is a concern for sure. Well, so I'm not sure. The, 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 you could argue that in some ways a more suited fullback is, is Matt Dodsey, but he's been absolutely hopeless for us so far. And so you sort of think, well, there's no way back for Dodsey at this point, but he does arrive he, in the box he, really effectively, yeah, which is very, which is very Conte. But again, like with Winks, it's like, yeah, I see what you're saying in terms of like profile, um, but in terms of like his ability yeah. to like be aware of space, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, uh, yeah, I mean, I, st- I still thought, I still like when I watched the tape on Dorsey, I thought, yeah, he's. He, you know, he seems to be aware of what's going on around him, but he just hasn't looked anything like that at all at Spurs. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't put any eggs in the Doherty basket, I'll tell you that. Mm, yeah. So that's, um, yeah, wing-backs is a slight area of concern. I mean, I do think Sessegnon has some potential for a, a Conte fullback. Again, not a great ball carrier, but really, really good at timing a run into the box and popping up at the right time and getting on the end of things. So I think that's something to watch. But I think you make a good point, Nathan, that perhaps he will start with a back four like he did at Chelsea and go from there because our back four is fine, I think. You know, I think it's been pretty effective this year. It's what's ahead of it that's been the issue. If you played a back four, you're saying it'd be four-two-four, and then presumably, what would the midfield two look like? You want, you know, a playmaker and then a runner, and who would that be in our squad? Well, so there's a lot of talk about Delhi right now, um, and his sort of his shortcomings in terms of developing his weaknesses. Um, the idea that he's lazy is a total myth because his defensive output for attacking midfielders is like basically the best in the world. Um, but I just think like um, Conte wants late arrivers. Yeah, he wants he wants a goal scoring midfielder. He wants one goal scoring midfielder. Mm-hmm. So um, I mean, Delhi's only real competition there is Lo Celso. I th- I see. I envision Skip or Hoivier, probably Hoivier and Dombele and Delhi. As the midfield three, with with Ndombele sort of being the 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 only person with license to invent unrehearsed moves, and Delhi arriving late in the box, you know, it's really interesting. Um, and then Sonny Kane up top, obviously. The playmaker is so important in um, in Conte's team, right? I mean, it's it's such it's one of the key roles, and there are already rumours that he might be eyeing up Brozovic to play that role yeah that's that's a real fit the thing with that is that like we have Hoybier and Skip at the club so it's like you'd have to move one of them on to bring Brozovic in so I mean yeah again a perfect stylistic fit I, I, I don't know I think I think if you look at some of like Skip's play this season like good defensively and then like on the ball you can see his technical skill um, but Firstly, him and Hoybier have been like <laughs> the creative engine of the team, which is like unfair on him. Um, but like the sort of big mark against Skip is is he takes the ball, takes a touch, looks up, thinks, makes a decision, plays the ball, and by then the pass has been closed off or he's been tackled or whatever. And I think that if that is automated, if that decision is made in advance mm-hmm. for him, that could be a really good 
mix. So having said, I, I having lent towards Hoybier because of his like again his own fieriness and the way that matches Conte's personality. I think Conte could really develop Skip yeah. in an interesting way. Yeah, same. Yeah. I think match match and personas. I think um, there is a Vidal role there for um, for for Schoeberg. It could be that. But I, I just think he's in such a bad run of form at the moment. I'm not sure. Part of me is, is quite interested. You could always play Lo Celso as a as a deep line playmaker. They, they, what he's not asking from this deep line playmaker is a real big defensive output because there's still three centre backs behind him. He just needs someone who's able to recycle the ball and open it up a bit. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a, a Lo Celso and Dombele and Delhi midfield. Why not? Mm, and Dombele is the playmaker. Yeah, I mean yep. can, uh, that's something Nathan's been calling for 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 a while. So Delhi's got the legs to play the um, to play the Barella role for sure. Yeah, and and to be fair, Huibier and Skip have both played as a box to box eight in their in their past as well. So we we have options there. Yeah. Um, and then we then we move on to the forwards. And if we're assuming three five two, we're assuming Kane and Son up front. Um, I, I guess the idea is that one of the forwards drifts out towards the wing to create overloads. And that would naturally be Son. You'd imagine doing that while Kane stays in the box, um, which I think suits Son in some ways. But uh, he does like to start wide and move in, typically. So is that a change, Nathan? Not really. <laughs> That's a short answer. You, you think he'll just accommodate, He'll just be able to adjust to um, whatever's needed. Yeah. I mean, he's such a good player, Son, isn't he? Yeah. So um, was it was it Harry Brooks making the point that like the Son is obviously a brilliant brilliant player his weaknesses are when he has to like again like we're talking with skip it's very much the same thing if he receives the ball and then has to work out what he's going to do or if he has to like he's probably his very best for spurs is when it's like okay son when harry receives the ball on the turn under jose Mm -hmm. make the diagonal run and so he does that and then he's through on goal and then there's been work on his finishing in those situations because again it's the same thing it's oh my god i'm through on on goal what do i do Whereas if you look at like his ridiculous finishing rate from like wide and long yeah. angles and all that kind of stuff, there's no limited thinking involved. It's it's a very Im- sort of um, improvisational kind of player, and I think that again that micromanagement really suits him. That here's what you do, like, <laughs> and it's going to be something similar, right? Every time Kane receives the ball in the hole, you run him behind. If Kane makes this run here, you go link up and just play a first time pass back to a centre mid. That kind of thing. I think that's perfect for him. I don't think being a bit more central is firstly is necessarily that true because he's played a lot of central for us even when he's normally on the wing or that difficult for him to adapt to i think that again it's a good matchup nice okay and Bardi, where do players like um bergvine and lucas and brighton heel fit into the plan do you think i i think this might be the first manager that gets rid of lucas i don't i don't see him becoming a wing back and i don't see him as an <laughs> that's alternate. the only way isn't it <laughs> yeah i don't see him as an alternate to um to to son or or kane not in the long term anyway um hill i'm not sure he's he's a he's a winger he doesn't tend to play with wingers to be fair he but, hill has looked okay when he's played in a midfield three hasn't he could play central yeah that's i mean that <laughs> nuno will not get the the look back tick <laughs> for playing hill as a central midfielder but he may yeah. I, I was i liked it i liked, I liked it, a, it lot. a lot i mean that could work Hill is like like Reggion. Hill is young enough and technically good enough to adapt his game, and he's got time on his side. Bergvine, I don't know. 
can Bergvine play right wing? Can he play, can he play right wing back? I'm not sure. Can he be an alternate to Sun? I think he could probably. That's be not a Sun. bad show. He could be a Sun point two as uh, for the cup games. So I think he's probably got a bit of a. I think he'll he'll get something out of this. I do. I do. Of course, I would say this. But I do like the idea of selling Lucas. I think it's a good time to sell Lucas while there's still some value. Yeah, and, sure. and Conte is going to want his own players as well. You know, he'll he'll identify some weaknesses, and I think they could be at wing back. Um, and he'll want someone to be coming in as his guy. Um, I think that's probably why he's agreed to join this time. I think he's had some assurances around money to spend. And I suspect that will be because Levy's now seen the start of the season. He's sort of seen the income from the stadium coming in. And he now feels a bit more secure in being able to say, yes, OK, we have a budget of whatever. It's very, very funny that subbing off Lucas has gotten you know the sack, and then Conte is going to come in and probably bin him off immediately, <laughs> and, and everyone's going to be like, "Good, yeah, no, that was that's good, 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 yeah. cool, nice one, Conte." <laughs> or I mean, maybe he'll, maybe he'll, it will be like, it will be a bit like the sort of the early Jose thing again, where it's like Lucas high defensive work rate plays the first ten games. And then fades off into the distance as if he was never there. Or, or it'll be the same thing that's always happened. That he becomes a mainstay in the team, too much to our frustration. No, 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 not, not, not now. Not with a structured possession where, where you have because like Lucas isn't going to absorb the kind of instructions of like receive the ball here, play it off there, make that run. Mm. Lucas will receive the ball and then he'll turn regardless of anything and then he'll be subbed off 17 minutes into a match and he'll vanish. Poor, poor Antonio <laughs> he Conte. He won't be in team photos. Yeah. He won't. <laughs> Conte would just be tearing out his hair transplant. Like, Lucas, stop <laughs> running into legs. You've got this one job to do. Your one automation. Yeah. Stop trying never to take every player on. That hair's not coming out. He loves that hair. He will protect that hair more than he protects his own children. He, if there's even the slightest chance of rain, the baseball cap is out. Uh, yeah, fair enough. It's, a, it's an investment, isn't it? But I do think there will be, especially early on, there will be times when we will look at this and go, what is going on? What is this man trying to do? This doesn't make any sense. Sure. But we just have to be patient, which is a, a really strange... Well. We're not patient people as football fans, but we're going to have to be patient because, as we keep saying, this is about repetition of plans. And until the players know it, they obviously they don't know it. But I do think it's different this time because I do think we've sort of seen we've seen what a Conte team can do when it gets up and running and when players understand their roles properly. Whereas with Nuno, none of us ever had the feeling that it was ever going to amount to anything particularly special. Mm. It was kind of more hope that. You know, having better players could make your system work better than it had done previously, and uh, that was it. Um, let's let's just dig into the menu match before we um, before we we end. Um, Limited them to just over one expected goal and seven passes per defensive action. Really solid defensive performance. Controlled the game. Good job. <laughs> okay, not where I was going to go, but um, fine. <laughs> uh, where, where I wanted to start though, um, Bardi Will, who's one of our ex subs, <laughs> says. Ask Bardi how his pre-match chat with the ex-ups went. It's his one chance to come clean. <laughs> We're in Beaver Town and I saw That's them. your and fault. You I, did saw, it. I saw them and I thought, let me go and have a chat because they're all nice people. And we, we started talking, obviously, the big talking point was, was the, the, the 11 he put out. And after a few beers, I decided to back Nuno. Oh my God. <laughs> they, they wanted to record me. They wanted to get their phones out and record so I could, I could not be a snake like some people and change, and change the terms of the, of the bet or the comment that I'd made. So um, 
I committed to it. I said, if Nuno thinks this is what works, this is what works. So obviously it didn't work and obviously it got him fired. So what do I know? What does Nuno know? But I, I just thought this one moment, let's just, let's just go and if, if he believes in this, then I'm going to, today I'm going to believe in you, Nuno. He let me down, he let himself down. And Bardi, um, Nathan, Nathan's assessment is that we put on a good defensive show in this match. Um, <laughs> what was your view from inside the stadium? Uh, I'm not too sure. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. A good defensive, maybe, but that ball floated over Ben Davis's head. Come He's on. consistent. He's more consistent than regular. You know what? Honestly, I I do think that is one of the. I hate to say it because of everything Ronaldo represents. I do think that's one of the highest quality goals I've seen this season in terms of the cross, the weight of the cross, no. and then the finish. It was unbelievable. Stop trying to cut it out and protect and just mark the player. Had he focused on instead of ball watching, had he just marked the player that dropped off him, he. Could just cuts it out or he blocks it I think a proper fullback wouldn't have tried to intercept that they would have read it and then just uh, blocked the shot instead of doing what he did I'm not I'm not so sure I'm not so sure I think I feel like um, Davis has taken a lot of stick for that goal I thought it was just a brilliant ball um, it was a brilliant finish but it, it was really preventable but what I do agree with Nathan on is that I was I was more concerned about our attacking performance than our defensive performance which does seem like a weird thing to say when you've lost by three goals um, <laughs> but there was nothing going forward to uh, to get me excited so there were was... that's that's always been the thing and uh, like I don't know I, it's, it's kind of silly and it's like obviously United only had to put up the number of shots that they did but they did score from three in a row mm. uh, but it, it's the same thing as before like it's you're inviting that you're inviting yourself to get unlucky when you just offer nothing the other end, you know? Yep. So yeah, we're unlucky to concede th- three shots from a little over one expected goal, but it's, it's, it's a situation of our own creation really, you know? Um, there is something weird in the um, algorithm for expected goals. No, it's not weird. It's a quirk of expected goals in that uh, Rashford's goal, uh, which he made look easy to be fair with a really nice side for finish is um, uh, weighted lower than the chance that Son had, where it was kind of an awkward bouncing ball on his left foot sure. on, on a half volley. Um, Rashford had time to sort of run onto the ball. He's running on the ground, and it, it was easier for him, in my view, to control the shots, whereas Son's was a difficult bouncing ball. So I, did, I, like, I think there's something going on there with the expected goals algorithm. But um, yeah, I do, I do take your point. So there were two moments for us that I thought were key. Um, the obvious one was Lacelso's failed pass to Son, which was really, really frustrating because it wasn't a difficult pass and he made a complete mess of it. And the other one just before that where, was where Lucas intercepted a De Gea pass and Lucas has the ball. Kane makes a really good run between the centre-backs and Lucas just needs to play him the ball. There's like an obvious pass on and of course Lucas dribbles with it <laughs> and the chance is gone. And I feel like if... Those are the sorts of moments that, that change history. Like if if Lucas had played that pass, maybe Nuno's still in the job. You know, it's subbed him off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, maybe that's one of the reasons he subbed him. He was so pissed off at him not playing that pass. Didn't even yeah. didn't even think of that. Um, but Bardi's already referenced the Celso, and I wanted to touch on the Celso briefly because he was trending. Um, which I thought was absurd. People really don't like him. Excessive. People think he's really really bad. Yeah. They hate him. People think he's really, really bad. So Bardi um, and Alex from Bristol were were hating on him in um, in our WhatsApp group, and and I get it. Like I understand the the rationale, and it's frustrating when a player has been brought in as a supposed attacking midfielder and isn't delivering a lot of goals or a lot of assists. Um, I went back and did a video on Lacelso's performance 
analysing all his touches and his defensive work. And what I found was that he was fine. Like, there wasn't there wasn't <laughs> a lot. I mean, it wasn't a good performance, don't get me wrong. It was like a 6 out of 10. But it was a 6 out of 10. It wasn't the 2 out of 10 that social media would have you believe, that the stadium would have you believe. And he was like actually the only one trying to sort of get between the lines to receive the ball and make things happen. Um, he he created our best chance, which is Ben Davis's header from the corner, which he took off Romero's head. Another annoying thing that happened. Um, wait, wait, wait. Did you just... You can't count taking the corners, creating a chance. Is that is that a thing? Yes, Can we do that? A chance created. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That gets right. counted. Okay. Fair enough. All right. I didn't realise No, that. I mean, no, I thought I thought Lo was not spectacular, but definitely no, definitely no worse than um, anyone else on the pitch. The problem is Lo came in for Ndombele, so there's a weight of expectation upon him that <laughs> he's there to do Ndombele's job, but do it better because Ndanga has <laughs> been dropped and he didn't. He did a middling impression of Pochettino pit winks. That's that's <laughs> what he did. That was that. I mean, he was fine because we were so bad, but. That could have been Harry Winks out there from a few years ago. And that's the problem with it. He, there's a there's a weight of expectation for whatever reason, the, the money and everything else and who the money we paid for him, who he replaced, his role in the team. And there should have been more from him and there wasn't. And it's been a few years now. And I know there's there's issues with this signing and everything else and the, the, the churn of managers, but it wasn't a good performance. And in the stadium, there, there was hostility towards him. But then there was... Hostility really towards everybody. I think only maybe Son and Romero were the only guys that that didn't really get it. That's really interesting. And Kane got a hard time from the crowd as well, didn't he? There were lots of moans and groans. Yeah, yeah because the problem we know when when Harry Kane isn't fit, he looks like a, a a pub player just because of the way he moves and everything else. And there's a whole narrative around Harry Kane doesn't give a shit and our players don't give a shit. And the fans were pissed off yesterday. And uh, as they were pied, as they were like filtering out the stadium, there was, there was for the first time in a long time at Tottenham, there was a something in the air where it was just like, it could spark off here. Something could happen uh, because people were that angry. Yeah. Especially those that that left early. There was, there was a proper fury in the air and it, it's, it's strange. Sometimes, sometimes it's always very interesting to be somewhere when, it's come to an end and yeah, leaving, leaving you, there, there was no way back from this. Even who we got midweek for Tess, beating for Tess wouldn't have saved Nuno's job. There was, it'd gone too far. I completely understand the anger as well, because we made such a mess of the managerial appointment in the summer, such a mess of it. And Levy's having to eat humble pie now. I mean, he's a very stubborn man, as we know, we've discussed many times how stubborn he is and it must be really irritating to him that he has essentially made another very expensive mistake. Uh, he's he's not done what he needed to do at the time to get whatever it was, the deal for whoever, Conte or whoever, over the line. He's he's settled for second best, and now he's had to fire second best, and or fifth best, or sixth best, or seventh best, <laughs> and pay him goodness knows how much in compensation. 14 million, if you believe some of the reporting today. Um that must be so annoying for Levy, but he's backed himself into that corner. He needs to keep out of football business, managerial appointments. I think from the reporting, it seemed like Paratici had um, all but agreed with to appoint Fonseca, and then in the final meeting, pulled out of that for whatever reason. 
you know, with that happening, they needed to f- focus on their strategy and go with a similar appointment to Fonseca, not go against that and appoint Nuno Espirito Santo. It's completely the opposite. I mean, and so I get it from the fans' perspective. I completely understand why fans who've witnessed the Mourinho tenure, which was miserable and they couldn't even vent their frustrations at the stadium, then seen this awful managerial saga over the summer, then witnessed the start of this season with some early signs of progress followed by some absolute thrashings at the hands of our rivals. Uh, And then, you know, you've got the Kane saga on top of that as well. I mean, goodness knows how much latent frustration there is in our fan base. And so it was going to get directed at someone and it definitely feels like Nuno's taken the brunt. But Bardi, what I'm interested in is, did you stay until the end? Because I know that there were some players who stayed and clapped the fans. Uh, I stayed in the stadium until the end, but I didn't stay in my seat until mm. the end. So, no, so I, went to, I went to the bar. Son and Kane and Dyer and Larice apparently were uh, stayed out late, stayed until the end, and uh, went to give the fans a good old clap. And I thought that took some that took some bravery, I think, to sort of face up to what was a calamitous result. And I just wanted, I was interested in knowing how that was received in terms of Kane applauding the fans, given that he'd been moaned at throughout the game. There was a really good atmosphere pre-game. There was a really good atmosphere. There was a sense in the crowd that we could do something that translated into the first 15, 20 minutes of the match where there was a, a nice buzz going around. But that goal they scored and the way they scored it really did kill the kill the vibe. And then they, the the way they scored their second goal, the fact that it was just so easy and they didn't have to do anything and yeah. they scored the goal, that really that really ruined it. And yeah, that's when it started to turn a bit toxic. I love me some Romero, but his defending for the second and third goals left a lot to be desired. And uh, I don't think Conte would stand for that. I mean, when you've got three players, the quality of Cavani, Ronaldo, and who, I think who was the third one, Fernandez, maybe running at two backpedaling centre backs, the centre backs are never going to come out looking well in that. It's always that's always going to be a goal because it's just 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 the, the kind of numbers versus each other. What did you make of the Burnley game, Nathan? Man, who cares? <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> Forget it. We don't need to. We don't need to do it anymore. You've been listening to the Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.